for us, Lord God, that split that sea of sin and death and set us free. Because of that, Lord God, we say no to fear. We reject you. We say no more to you. We are free from you. We thank you, Lord, for putting that mark of identity on us, that seal that says, you are my child, you are my son, you are my daughter. Lord, we ask that you would help us to stand in that new place, that new identity. Help us stand still, stand straight in who we are in you. We praise you, God, for the work you've done. We thank you for inviting others into that, Lord Jesus. We bless you. We thank you for this time. Amen. All right. Ooh, thank you, guys. All right, go ahead and take a seat. That was good. That was good. It's very good to be back and to see you. Uh, here we are. Uh, in case you didn't know, I've been gone for seven weeks, and if you didn't notice, don't tell me. That would make me sad. But uh, it's, I've missed you. I've missed this. I've missed worshiping with you and gathering together. If you're new, I'm looking forward to meeting you. If you've been around for a while, I'm looking forward to catching up. Uh, I've been on sabbatical uh, seven weeks. Sabbatical means Sabbath, which means rest. So I tried to do some resting, uh, a little beach time, a little walking, bike riding, reading, and stuff like that. And uh, played a little soccer, watched a little soccer, a little Euro Cup. That was good. Go Italy. Um, I want to thank uh, a lot of people who kept the uh, airplane flying while I was gone. Uh, thank you, Sharon and Jeff. Thank you, Wes and Ann. Thank you, Sierra. Thank you, uh, Jared and Sarah. Thank you, Gary and Tim and Domingo. So uh, we hire a guy, and then I leave the next week. I mean, not really textbook how you did in helping. Thank you, Alex, uh, Chris, Natalie, Mike, Domingo for preaching while I was out. Thank you, guest speakers, Katie and Zach. Thank you. It was good. I feel refreshed. All right, one question I ask every summer, and it has to do with the message today, the, the call today is, um, I don't assume that God's calling me to be pastor again that next ministry year. I, I spend that time to ask the question, what are you calling me to do? But uh, it starts with this question typically. It's a little bit more self-centered. It's, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? That's, I'm just being honest with you. That's where I start. Like, what do I want to do? God's given me freedom, and, and, you know, I'm a child of God. And so, Jesus, what do I want to do? Uh, he gives me time and space to do that. It's a good question to ask once in a while. Uh, and I asked that question, I had a little bit more time to explore that, to kind of follow the whiffs and sense of, you know, what might I want to do? Let's just start clean slate. Let's, you know, what's open, what's possibility, what's impossible even? You know, and I, and I tracked down a lot of those things I explored, had a lot of great ideas, had a lot of terrible ideas, and um, yeah, that eventually led me down, focused me into another question is, uh, where do I feel most alive? What do I enjoy, right? Where, where do I find life? Where do I experience that? Uh, so I went in and, and kind of focused on that question a little bit. A variety of things came to mind. But the strongest, uh, which has been with me for a while, the strongest is uh, experiencing God. Experience, the first time I experienced God, I was 23. It shocked me. It surprised me. I didn't know this existed. I was an agnostic, and then bam, I experienced God's presence, his life, his power, his presence, and I was like, 
wow, this is fantastic. This is amazing. There is a God. He's alive. He's present. I want everybody to know about this. Um, I feel alive when I experience God. When I, uh, it, those holy moments, you know, those, those Holy Spirit moments are just those God moments. That's what I love. That's what I love. And so the next question is, okay, where are those? Where do I find those? When do I experience those? How do I get more of those? How do I stay in that? And then that takes me to uh, when I am doing the things that Jesus calls me to do. That's where those moments appear. That's when those things happen. That's where I see his life, his joy, his peace multiply, explode, you know, expand out into the world. Now, it's not automatic. It's not like a vending machine. Oh, I did what Jesus called me to do, and bam, God's spirit, God's presence. It's not like that. He does it when he wants to do. He's in control. But when I'm in that orbit, when I'm in that sphere of doing the things that Jesus calls me to do, when I'm uh, quiet, when he tells me to be quiet, when I talk or say that difficult thing or challenging thing, awkward thing, uh, when he calls me to do it, when I, when I do the thing I don't want to do, I don't feel like doing, when I make that phone call, uh, when I do that hard thing that's super stretching and uncomfortable, that's where Jesus tends to show up. All right, so that's the target. That's the area that I want to go for. So the next question, better question than my first question, is what is God calling me to do? What is Jesus calling me to do? What are you saying, Lord Jesus, the one who set me free from fear, the one who uh, made it possible for me to be adopted into this family? What, Jesus, are you calling me to do? And the question, uh, the answer for me uh, it was just familiar. It's something that he's been bringing me back to again and again and again. And it's this. I'm called by Jesus to help people know, know, and follow Jesus. That's the best thing I can be doing. That's the most loving thing I can do is to help people know the one who cut the sea to bring us in. Like God most high, is there anything better to know or to do is to be involved with that? So for me, it's, yeah, I'm called to help people know and to follow Jesus because over time I've seen that when people start to trust Jesus, including myself, when people start to trust and obey and follow and do the things that he calls us to do, they experience life and joy and freedom and peace and goodness. Good things happen. All right, so then I asked the question with regards to OTC, Lord Jesus, what are you calling us to be and to do? And he, here's the mission statement of OTC, y'all. It's to help people know and follow Jesus. There it is again. That's what we get to do together. But the word that stood out around that was this word multiply, and it's the new sermon series that we're starting today, multiply. Jesus wants to multiply the good things he's already doing here. He's doing some good things here. He wants to multiply those. Uh, and he has more good things for us to do together. And it happens, this all begins, this all starts when we stop and say, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? When we do that individually, the more of us that are doing that and the more of us that are falling into that and leaning into that, uh, God leads us into this multiplying work of the world, in the world. Multiplying good in the world. Multiplying the good things he wants to do in the world. It begins with the call. That's the title of the message today. And God is publicly making a call. He's summoning, he's inviting all people everywhere to come to him. That's what he's doing in the world. 
It goes back to Isaiah. Turn to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. He's doing this big public call that's still outstanding to all people. And then he also calls us personally, by name. And that's the really shocking thing. When that happens first for you and then it continues to happen. Now let's look at how uh, Jesus is doing this. All right, the big public call. Let's start with that. God's call to all. Here's God's call to all. And Jesus, when he goes public, his three and a half years of public ministry, he leads with this public call, this summons, this invitation, this proclamation to all. Let's look at it. It's in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. It goes like this. After John the Baptist, the baptizer, remember the, the preparer, the forerunner, after John was good news, good news of God. Okay, so his proclamation, his call is good. What is it? Here's the message. The time, listen, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand, has come near. So what do you do? Here's the call. Repent. Turn to it. Turn toward it. Repent and believe the good news. Believe this good news that the time has come, that the kingdom of God is breaking onto the earth. That God has come and he's inviting people to come under his rule and reign. To be made alive again. To be reborn. To be connected to God. To be called children of God. That's what he's doing in the world. That's the big call to all that God is doing. That's what he's doing. He's calling you and me into this. That's his big call. Now let's look more closely at his personal call. That individual level call. And this is the amazing thing about God Most High, the Creator God. You know, I think in general, before you know God, you think, okay, yeah, God, if He exists, He's out there, He's big, He's powerful, look at everything, wow. He's transcendent, He might even be really scary, right? But then God comes and Jesus, the Word of God, becomes flesh and makes this dwelling among us, and He comes full of grace, which is not necessarily, you know, did you expect that? Comes full of grace and truth. He comes personally. The big God, the power behind it all, comes to you and calls you by name. So we're going to look at this, how he does this more closely through an encounter, the call that he has uh, with Peter. He calls Peter. You've heard of Peter, like he's one of the 12. He's, um, yeah, he's a big deal. Uh, and he's very human, flawed like us. And uh, we're going to read about this encounter, uh, this call to Peter. So uh, there was this initial call. It really happened for Peter in two stages. And when Jesus calls you personally, it's going to look different for each one of you. And that's one of the fun things, fun things to do when you meet somebody who is in Christ, who is a son or daughter of God, is to ask them, hey, how did you get in? What's your story? What's your testimony? How did Jesus call you? And that you'll get all sorts of different stories. Uh, so for Peter, it happened in two stages. Uh, he was, his brother Andrew was hanging around John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, hey, look, the Lamb of God pointing to Jesus. And Andrew said, hey, we found the Messiah. He went to his brother, Peter. He said, hey, you got to meet the Messiah. That's when, that was in John 1. There was this initial calling. Peter had seen and experienced some stuff with Jesus early on. He probably was there when uh, Jesus turned water to wine. 
and uh, some other healings. He actually saw Jesus heal his mother-in-law. So he's got some background. That was his initial call, but it wasn't all the way in. He wasn't like a follower of Jesus at that point. He didn't, it's not clear what he thought about him. Uh, but it becomes more clear in the second uh, encounter, maybe this, uh, where that initial calling is confirmed in Luke 5. So let's look there. It's still Jesus' first year of ministry, public ministry. It's early on. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Picture the scene. See what's going on here. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's also the Sea of Galilee. I don't know why we call it a sea. It's, it's actually a big lake. Uh, but anyway, so that's, by, that's the Galilee area north of Jerusalem. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, as they would do, because Jesus, man, God's breaking out through Jesus. The kingdom of God is in, uh, on earth in Jesus. The activity of God's kingdom is, is showing itself in Jesus, the things he's doing, the things he's saying. Okay, so people are crowding around Jesus and listening to the word of God. Spoken by the word of God. That's got to be intense. Okay, so he saw, Jesus saw at the water's edge, he's at the shore there, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They're washing their nets because fishermen then, they would, they would fish at night. All right, so there was a night job. They'd go out and they'd fish at night. In the morning, they'd pull their boats in, they'd wash their nets, they'd fold them up, they'd get them ready for the next time. All right, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and asked him, asked Peter, to put out a little from shore. Okay, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So being on the water, on the boat, people could see him better, people could hear him better. Okay, so when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, directly to Simon, put out into deep water, get the boats, Go out, back out into deep water, not just on the shore, but out on deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. You know, the nets that you just washed and just put away and all that. Listen to Simon Peter's answer. He says, Master, which is a you know, term of respect, Master, we've worked hard all night. Can you feel it? We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now let's pause here for a moment. Let's camp out on this moment. Now, if you're Peter, you've been fishing all night. You didn't catch anything. You've already washed the nets. You put some of them away already. Are you eager in that moment to do what Jesus is telling you to do? Go, take the boat, go out in the deep water again. I know, you didn't catch anything. Go out. And put your nets down again that you just washed. Right? I'm thinking for Peter, if I'm putting myself in Peter's shoes, I'm thinking, we already worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. And I'm a fisherman. You're a fantastic teacher, Jesus. But doesn't sound like good news. Jesus' call, Jesus' invitation, Jesus' command, his directive there. Doesn't sound like good news. It doesn't sound like a good nut. Good idea. I'm tired. I want to go home to my wife. Listen, Peter, and this is, relates to you and me. Peter does not know it in that moment. He cannot see it yet. But Jesus' call 
to Peter. His command to Peter is for Peter. It's for Peter. Jesus wants to bless Peter, but it doesn't feel like it initially here. Here's the first fill-in. Capture it because it's going to happen to you today or this week. This is the moment of decision for Peter. I don't want to go. It doesn't make sense. I've already fished. I was there. And Jesus is saying, go out. Jesus is saying, going out. This is the moment of decision. Next fill-in. This is a call to faith. Faith. We talk about that a lot. Faith. Trust. Belief in what Jesus says, even when it goes against what we're thinking and what we want and what we understand and what we can see. That is faith. This, this call to faith. Do I trust what Jesus is telling me to do will be better? Do I trust that? Do I believe that? Is that my initial thought? I'm anticipating something good because God Most High has come and he's calling me into something. Or is it, oh my gosh, no, not now. This is bad timing. When Jesus calls you, when he calls you to do something, say something. Do you first, is your first initial reaction kind of annoyed? Feel like a burden? Inconvenience? Or do you anticipate, expect something good, something better? A little story as I, uh, so I was on sabbatical and I uh, didn't preach, didn't even really watch, didn't watch you guys, I, I, that was hard, didn't watch online and um, uh, I was asked to preach at a place where we go on vacation every summer. Linwood. It's a great place. We go there every summer, and they have, a, they have a church thing, service on Sunday mornings, and they asked me to preach for a couple Sundays. And my initial reaction was, no. No, I, I'm on sabbatical, man. Uh, and I almost acted on that, but then I've learned to stop and check, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What are you saying? You're my king. You're my Lord. You've shown me good things. What do you say? What would please you? What would honor you? Not my will, Father, but yours be done. Okay. So I asked, and I felt like he was saying, say yes. It might also have to do with, uh, it was my mother-in-law asking me the question. So, you know, God used that, I think, as well. But uh, I, I was torn. It was a moment of not really wanting to do it, and feeling like Jesus was, if I had to guess, yeah, he's probably saying, yeah, do that. All right, kind of felt like I was cheating with you guys. So maybe this is an apology also. <laughs> I said yes. All right, and I'll tell you the rest of the story in a minute. So moment of decision. It's a fork in the road. Peter just said we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Those are the observed facts on the ground. Then he continues, listen, listen. But because you, Jesus, because you, Lord, say so, because it's you, I will. But because you, Lord Jesus, say so, I will. Anybody else? Maybe my mother-in-law. I could say no. 
But for you, Jesus, because it's you, I will. Because you are good. You saved me. Look what you've done for me. You've demonstrated emphatically, at least on the cross, that you are good and you are loving. And wow, how can I say no to you? But for you, Jesus, yes. For you, yes. This, next fill in, this is faith. That is faith. Doesn't look good. Don't want to do it. Bad timing. But for you, yes. I have plans already. It's going to happen. It's going to happen this day or this week for you. I have already plans already. But because you, Jesus, I will. I'm afraid of failing. This, that, I can't do that, Lord. But because you say it, I will. I'm not good enough. Honestly, Lord, I had a bad week. You saw what I was into this past week. But because you say so, I will. I'm too busy, Lord. I got other things to do. But because you say so, Jesus, I will. I'm tired, Lord Jesus. But because you say Peter said yes. He let down the nets. Let's see where it led. Verse 6, when they had done so, when they laid out the nets in deep water, when they went out there, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Fish, nets full of fish. Uh, Pretty extraordinary, pretty awesome. After a long night, nothing. A happy moment for fishermen. The only time fishing is fun, especially after being all a night uh, out there all night long. Nets are bulging with fish. What do their faces look like, right? They're so excited. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them, and they came and filled the boats, both of them full, so full that they began to sink. These are a lot of fish. This is a supernatural catch. Can you imagine this God moment that they're experiencing? Imagine it on their faces. How would you respond? What would you be uh, thinking What is Jesus showing them? What is Jesus teaching them? What does Jesus want to teach you and me through this? He's saying, trust me. Trust me. Come, follow me when I call you, and good things will happen. Good things will happen. When Jesus calls you to do something, he's calling you into something better. I want to know that. I want to have that deeply embedded in my mindset, hardwired. So when Jesus calls, I'm not thinking of the inconvenience or the burden. I'm thinking, Jesus, something better for me. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll speak. Yes, I'll do what you're calling me to do. So I said yes to the, the preaching gig in Linwood, and you know I didn't want to do it because I thought it'd be draining, and I'm on sabbatical. And it was so filling. It was so filling. It was great. God bless me. It was, it was awesome. Now after this, there's an interesting twist here. Peter's reaction is interesting. Verse 8, watch this. So all this excitement, wah, fish. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he saw it. This supernatural catch of fish. 
he fell at Jesus' knees. He falls down at Jesus' knees in the boat. He said, go, go away from me, Lord. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Do you notice what Peter calls him here? Earlier his master, kind of a generic thing. Here he's calling him Lord. He recognizes who he's talking to. Lord Most High, Yahweh in the flesh. Peter knows he's Prince of Peace. And Peter says he's overwhelmed. He's afraid. He says, go away from me, Lord. Go away. I can't be in your presence. This is his belief. Next fill in. Peter's belief. I can't be with you, God, because of my sin. I can't be with you. He knows he's in the holy presence of God. He knows he's not holy. I can't be with you. I'm a sinful man, and I know it. Now, is that true? Can Peter be in the presence of God, who is holy? Now, Peter's Jewish, man. He knows the scriptures. He knows that when Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from Eden. He knows when, when Cain sinned, he was banished further out. He, re- he knows why God flooded the land. Sin. He knows why God sent Israel into exile. Sin. Sin separates you and me from God. He knows this, and we're all sinful. We all fall short of those standards. We've all trespassed. We've all rejected his commands. We've all said no to his call. We've all said no to Jesus. Peter's Jewish. He knows these basic facts. Peter knows that he's disqualified from being in the presence of God. He's feeling it. Now listen, some of you are called by God. Jesus has been saying to you, come. He's been calling out to you. He's been summoning you. He's been inviting you. He's pretty persistent. Follow me. Come lay that down. Go do that. Go say this. And instead of saying yes and experience what God has for you, you've been opting out for various reasons. Maybe like Peter, you're saying, go away from me, Lord. You know your sin. You know that struggle that you just feel like, I can't, this is, these don't match. I can't do it. No. Maybe you're like Peter. You think, I can't possibly qualify. I'm disqualified. Or maybe there's another reason you're saying, go away from me, Lord. You're afraid of what he might ask of you, what it might cost, what he might ask you to put down. You're afraid of what you'll have to give up and leave behind. You're afraid of losing friends. You're afraid of, you know, all sorts of scenarios. Go away from me, Lord. Maybe you don't want the challenge. Maybe you just kind of want to be left alone. I'm comfortable here, Lord. Go away from me, Lord. Maybe you don't want to give up any control. You have a nice, tidy life, and you don't want him messing it up. Go away from me, Lord. Whatever reason you're saying, go away from me, Lord, listen. I'm going to skip to second part of verse 10. For now on, you will fish for people. I've got something for you. I know, Peter. I know who you are, brother. I've seen it all. I'm God with you. I know. I know where you've been. I know what you've experienced. I know what you've done. I know what's been done to you. I know. 
I know your fears. I, you, you, you don't measure up. I know. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust me. I have a job for you. I've got a calling for you. I have good works for you to do. That I prepared before the creation of the world. Don't push me away. I want you. I'm choosing you. I'm calling you, Jesus says. So how does Peter and his companions respond to this? Verse 11, they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, they know who they're with now, and followed. Lined up with Jesus. I'm, I'm going with this one, wherever he leads. I'm in. I'm in. Here it is again. When God calls you, he is calling you into something better. Trust it. Believe it. Even if he, even if he doesn't feel like it. Trust it. See where it leads. See where it takes you. Do it again and again. And when you do that, you're going to realize, oh, yeah, he does. When, God, when Jesus calls me to do something, he's calling me to something better. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless others through you. He wants you to experience the fullness of life that he's come and died to give to you. You come into it as you believe and trust that when he calls, he's calling you into something better. Say yes. Say yes. Three questions for you to spend time with right now, with Jesus. He's present. He's here. We're two more gathered in his name. He is present. What is he saying to you? Capture this. Write it down. Put it in the notes. Text yourself. Whatever you need to do. What is Jesus saying to you this morning? What's his word to you? Out of what is Jesus calling you? Out of what is Jesus calling you? Into what is Jesus calling you? I'm going to pray, give you time for this. The worship team is going to come up and, and lead us into this last song. But we want to give you a moment to hear from and receive what Jesus is saying to you. Lord God, thank you for coming close. Thank you, Lord, for making the way for us to come into your presence like this. Thank you for saying to us, don't be afraid. Thank you for giving us reason to not be afraid. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God. We, we ask you, Lord, to give us ears to hear what you're saying to us right now. Help us capture it. Help us not push you away or push those words away, Lord. Help us to receive them and trust that they are better, that they are better. Help us this week, Lord God, when that moment comes and you talk to us, you knock on the door, that we say, come in, yes, Lord Jesus, instead of saying, go away. Lord, help us. Help us not miss what you're calling us into, Lord God. Individually, together as a church, our families, Lord Jesus, use us, work through us, Lord. Amen.